You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. What's up, my friends? What are we doing today? Are we, are we talking about something? What are we going to talk about? I've got an article from somebody, podcast listener slash viewer, who sent this in. This is from her own blog post, and it is a good one. The title is, The Real Crisis in Olympia is Not Homelessness. This is written by Candy Mercer, Candace Mercer. You can find her on medium.com. She is going to be running for Olympia City Council. So the city of Olympia, that's our state capital here in Washington, it's had some real troubles. We're going to find out kind of what's going on. It's, it's very similar to a lot of the West Coast cities, right? But Olympia has really been hammered. And there's a number of can- candidates, candidates, Candace, Candace. Tristan, if you can cut out that just that last, last sentence. There's a number of candidates that are vying to actually do something in Olympia. So if you're in Olympia... You're a voter, registered voter. Think about think about voting for Candace Mercer. And we're going to find out why here. So let's jump on in. Before we do, if you're new here, thanks for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies, but I read the news that you want to hear. As a reasonable person, you want to hear. All right, let's get into it. Um, and Candace is a, got my notes here. She is a progressive activist, artist, writer, and she's been dealing with homelessness and a number of other issues for quite some time. She's been writing on homelessness and issues in Olympia, I believe for about three years. So she's got a blog post. You can check that out. Just, uh, Candace Mercer or Candy Mercer. You'll find it. I did. It's Googled it and boom, it pops up. All right. Our regional government has been, and I'm going to basically read through this without much narrative because it's a longer article than normal, but it's got a lot of great content. So if you want to check it out on your own as well, that's fine too. Um, our regional government has been treating our problems solely as a homeless issue, but it's far greater. It also involves mental illness, substance abuse, and crime, things that I bring up all the time because they're all interrelated, right? Each piece of the problem needs solutions. Housing, especially affordable rent, is a large component, but addiction, an emerging street culture, and law enforcement are factors we have to be reticent to address. We have been reticent to address directly as we watch our city decay in real time. That's a pretty good description. And I think that's what a lot of po- uh, folks would say about Seattle. Um, and a lot of other West Coast cities, they're, you're just kind of watching it unfold in front of your eyes. And that's part of the reason, you know, I'm doing this podcast because it's like somebody's got to say something about this stuff. You can't just let this run. Um, it's not reasonable. We live in a society, right? All right. Just got a really nice photo of uh, the bridge, the Fourth Avenue Bridge, Fourth Avenue Bridge in downtown Olympia. And I'm reading kind of uh, descriptions of photos for those of you on the audio portion. The Fourth Avenue Bridge in downtown Olympia at the foot of Puget Sound is an environmentally sensitive area. An unsanctioned homeless camp has set up under the bridge. Water testing has revealed fecal coliform bacteria due to untreated human waste. Not good. The camp is scheduled for removal on September 11th. Some campers have indicated they will refuse to leave. And this podcast is uh, from September 1st, 2019, so it's older, but the issues remain identical. There's going to be some timelines that things have already happened, but um, for the most part, this is it, it's a great article. People are upset about changing norms for what is considered permissible behavior in our community. They are. It's like, since when did this change? It's like I woke up 
you know, in my early 50s, started looking around a little bit closer and went, what are we doing? How, how is this? How is this okay? Who said this was okay? Because when I was younger, this was not okay. Did I just get too old? And to the point where all the norms have changed, and I don't really know what's okay to say or do or think or feel. I don't know. This is the root of our collective distress and the cause for deep moral reflection. In the name of tolerance, we are allowing antisocial behavior to become entrenched. I thought that was a great sentence. In the name of tolerance, we're tolerant of our fellow human being living on the street. We're okay with that. In the name of tolerance, we are allowing antisocial behavior. And it is antisocial, right? It's just that it's become normalized. We're allowing antisocial behavior to become entrenched with the way we think, the way we, we act, the way we do. You just, uh, so many people are like, oh, just love your fellow human being. Yeah, well, look at some of the stuff they're doing. And we'll get into that. Some even defend theft and violence as a reasonable response if it originates with the oppressed. This was written before the poverty laws in Seattle. And, and, and Seattle's not the only town to do that, but basically just taking uh, crimes and um, those doing the criming and saying, that's no longer criming behavior. Hall pass. You get a hall pass on this one. You've been oppressed. You're poor. You're addicted. You're homeless. All right. Hall pass. That's what we're talking about. This is a rationalization used by homeless advocates and addiction evangelists to challenge the very legitimacy of the social contract. Neutralizations are euphemisms designed to loosen norms, allowing deviance to flourish unchecked. That's pretty descriptive. I mean, that kind of just says, boom, right there. Here's the deal. In an attempt to quell the natural moral dissonance that comes from doing something wrong, these repositionings allow people to litter without shame, steal without guilt, and cause harm without remorse. Because there is no pushback and no consequences, antisocial behavior is emboldened and lawlessness is the inevitable result. I think you see that on the streets all the time. And everybody, I guess not everybody, very, very few people want to pay attention to these issues. You know why? Because the solutions are difficult and there aren't necessarily a set of cut and dried solutions for everybody. And yet we still have to deal with the outcomes as society, as citizens, as taxpaying citizens. Can't use the park? Hmm. Well, are we going to let that go uh, for a while? And then we clean it up and then we let it go. And then, you know, just this constant back and forth. Not just our imagination. We're reimagining. We're rethinking. And I say those terms a lot. And half the time I'm jesting because so much of what I see going on are causes and things where people are talking about reimagining rethinking and that's fine but they don't have anything on the other end to replace the system in place and so you just basically end up with lawlessness and kind of anarchy and everybody doing their own thing and we just let it happen and it's like well you reimagine that bad boy pretty well right i mean you you got to have systems in place if you're going to make changes it's like defunding the police you're going to defund the police have a plan that you're going to try out immediately for when you do that defunding and you have less cops in the street. Okay, let's see what that looks like. But don't defund and then go, oh, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about making some changes. Don't have enough cops to keep our city safe, but we're reimagining. It, you know, that whole thing. It, it, it drives me crazy because it's like, 
you got to have a plan. It's got to be a plan. You're going to do something, especially, you know, city leadership. You got to have a plan. The majority, um, next session, section is not just our imagination. The majority of Olympia rejects these new norms. I think the majority of most cities experiencing this reject the new norms. There are far too many stories of harm across the spectrum from aggression to assault for this to be dismissed as mere class discomfort. Sean, you're a white privileged male. You don't know. All right. Yeah, maybe that's probably true. But I've kind of worked my rear end off to get where I am. And I understand there's a lot of other folks along the way doing the same thing. And at the end result, we're kind of looking around going, this isn't the way things should be going. And that's not just a class discomfort. It's like there's things really impacting people, which this article in just a little bit will talk about. Furthermore, it is disrespectful when victims are not believed. Because you got criming going on, there's victims, and yet because the people doing the criming are homeless or they've got the poverty law or whatever, they're getting a hall pass. So now I'm looking at um, homeless encampment, whole bunch of bike parts, bike tires, um, just a massive amount of bike frames, all kinds of bike frames, um, tires, rims, you name it. It's, I mean, these are incredible photos. Bike chop shops are numerous and operate in the open, some across from the inner city transit center in downtown Olympia. Bicycle parts are used as currency in exchange for drugs. Did a podcast this past, I think it was summer, talking about a bike chop shop operating, where was that operating? In one of the parks, I think it was Denny Park. They just had the bike parts kind of covered up by a bunch of um, tarps, you know, a standard blue tarp. And when a reporter asked uh, one of the individuals how he had like a couple of high-end racing bikes, he said, oh, somebody donated them. Mm-hmm. That's our new euphemism for they're stolen. Menacing slash aggressive behavior, threatened assault, actual assault, vandalism and theft. So much theft. Hundreds of stolen bikes, visible bike chop shops, shoplifting, hundreds of shopping carts, cars, sheds, and homes broken into. An heirloom violin that will not be passed down another generation. A child's ashes. Yes, a child's ashes were stolen from a hotel room in Hawks Prairie. The human remains desecrated and a family's lost compounded exponentially. That sucks. Could you imagine? Uh, how heartbreaking would that be? You lose a kid and then you lose the kid's ashes to a theft. Oof, big no go on that one. I would want, I would want some, uh, a bike was stolen and somebody responded on Facebook, positioning property crime as a regressive tax on ordinary people that wouldn't rob us of what little wealth we have if only everyone were housed. What a justification, right? I mean, lack of housing is not driving property crime. Drugs are. Couldn't agree more. That's that's the way I see it as well. Theft is routine, routinized as a form of reparation and neutralized with the term survival crime. The goal being to decriminalize crime itself. That's what we're doing in Seattle. How can we get our stats down? We got a lot of crime going on. Take those crimes, no longer crimes, problem solved. Man, genius. It's considered shameful in Olympia to even broach the subject of addiction and related crime. I agree. If you start bringing that up, people are like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, oh, okay. That's my opinion. 
We know all homeless are not addicts, and not all addicts are homeless. And I talk about that fairly often. Hey, there's a certain segment of people who have literally fallen on their luck, lost their job, whatever, and they are homeless, but they want to get back up and going. Those are people that need the help and support. But we're also aware housed criminals are also profiting from this misery. They should not feel comfortable operating in Thurston County either. Okay, agreed. Nor should they feel comfortable operating in any county, but they do. Impact on the community. The goal is not to demonize people, but to change policy by using social pressure to demonstrate that harm in whatever form it takes is not welcome in our community. And that's what I see so often. It's like, are you just going to take that? Are you just going to, you just, you're not going to say it. You're just going to take it. That's what we've been conditioned to do, right? The primary endpoint is getting people help so they are not harming themselves either or others, right? Olympia's benevolence is being extorted by addicts who want to live there where they want and take what they want, be it land or personal property, without interference. They got a lifestyle. They're going to fund that lifestyle, and that's what they're doing. Citizens are expected to support, even embrace, the subculture as a valid lifestyle choice, one which will lead to chronic, perhaps lifetime, homelessness. Hard to get out of that cycle, especially if you're comfortable and society is basically supporting you saying, ah, yeah, two thumbs up. We're okay with you doing your thing over there. We're going to try and ignore you as best we can. Hopefully, you know, I personally don't become a victim because when I do, I'm going to be impacted. But until then, we're just going to kind of turn a blind eye and kind of just reimagine everything being better, but not really doing anything about it, right? Now I'm looking at a photo of an underpass, pretty good sized homeless encampment. Unsanctioned camping under the 4th Avenue Bridge across from the State Capitol building is creating numerous public hazards. Hazards, In addition to environmental issues, there is concern due to open fires. Recently, Olympia Fire Department responded to a tent fire and found a dozen propane tanks stored next to the burned tent. Jeez. So propane tank, are we heating things up? Are we cooking some meth? What are we doing? Propane tents and or nylon tents and propane open flame do not do well. In mountaineering, you often talk about don't have an open flame around your tent. You want to see something go up quick? Yep. Light a tent on fire. Damage to this crucial piece of infrastructure would be a hardship to the community and could cost millions of dollars to repair. Right now, Olympia is enabling the subculture, allowing civil norms to decay. The city is complicit in the harm caused to its citizens. We as a city are sick and drastic action is required to heal. The politics of the situation are further dividing as we argue over strategy and act as if we are not on the same team. That's something that I find shocking is that everybody thinks, well, we're, you know, divided politically. And yet because of that, we can't figure out solutions together on the same issues. Everything's so political now, right? I mean, you just, whether or not you like it, you get drug into politics and, you know, you, you want to come up with solutions for stuff. And then you're like, ah, oh, but they think that, oh, we can't, we can't get along. We can't fix this together. Tough time, right? People with good hearts are being shamed for having different differing values and expectations around fairness, order, and safety. If we complain about impact, we risk being considered to be lacking compassion. I hear that all the time. Sean, you are a heartless business bastard. All right. I just thought I was kind of normal and reasonable here. I'm speaking out and others aren't really speaking out. 
I hear a lot of stuff behind the scenes because people, you know, reach out to me and say, Hey, thanks for sharing what you are. Cause not a lot of other folks are. We are slurred with the nonsensical housey as if shelter was not the ultimate goal for all. Housey being a person who has a house instead of the unhoused. Intentionally or not, people are made to feel guilty just for being housed. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at. This undercurrent of emotional manipulation is indicative of a severely dysfunctional relationship. The same codependent dynamics experiences at a family level when a loved one is addicted are being played out on a macro level in the community. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So when you've got somebody that's addicted in your family, it rocks the entire family boat. It does. It just you can't hide it. It's out there. There's no brushing it under the rug. It is a train wreck that only end a couple of ways. And one of them's good and the other not so good. And then the other long term issue is it just goes on until it's no longer good, right? I think you know what I'm talking about. Compassion can include, can include boundaries. In fact, sometimes compassion is boundaries. Tough love, right? I mean, it's so cliche. And yet you're like, okay, this person until they hit rock bottom, they are not going to figure out how to fix this problem themselves. We just keep coddling people and making them think that what they're doing is okay, when in fact, it's not. People, particularly small business owners are afraid to speak. I couldn't agree with you more there, Candy. They're afraid to speak, especially at city council meetings for fear of harsh reprisal. They're trying to run a business. And yet you basically, if you're a business owner, the wrong group finds out you're going to get doxxed, meaning your information is going to get pumped out there. People are going to come after you. That's not cool for speaking what you think to be your opinion. Uh, around Christmas, boycott flyers circulated calling downtown businesses economic terrorists. Other retaliation in the name of activism has included coordinated phone zaps and vandalism, locks glued shut, needles and knives planted upright in greenery in an attempt to harm customers and employees are frightened by aggressive panhandling. Yeah, it's frightening. You're just like, I don't really know what that person's up to. But, um, you know, we're not sitting in church here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Activists have also targeted individuals, sometimes only for sharing their personal experience, doxing them, harassing them at work and bullying them online in an attempt to silence. Everything's okay. This is okay. This is what we're doing. Don't say anything, right? Self-censorship is rampant and concerning. That is very true. Don't say anything. You know why? Because if you say something, you're going to get hammered. Many communications are done privately out of fear. This is Olympia in 2019. And these are issues that affect everybody because everybody lives in these societies, right? Compassion fatigue is the next section here. All this leading to collective compassion fatigue, even an extremely generous community. Relationships are frayed, tensions raised, resentment and backlash brewing. Now I'm looking at Oh, we've got a string of shopping carts here. We have got a shopping cart with a bunch of personal belongings, a bucket, some garbage just on the side of the road. Shopping carts, blue tarps covering a whole bunch of personal belongings, some bike parts. You get the picture. Just a lot of shopping carts. Impact on retailers is huge, both from shoplifting and from hundreds of stolen carts. You see that, you know, shopping carts in the side of the road and you think, ah, people are just lazy. 
Well, yes and no. They are lazy, but they are literally stealing these carts. They're lazy by not taking them back to the store as if they got halfway and ah, couldn't get it there. But the homeless are just taking the carts. They leave them wherever. I don't need this. That has an impact. Nobody thinks about that. Ah, the grocery stores are rich. Now, grocery stores work on super thin margins. That's why here in Seattle, when we bumped up the minimum uh, wage, a couple of stores said, well, we could, I think it was QFC said, well, right, we got to close this store, this store, this store, and they're not economically viable. And with this raise in the minimum wage, guess what? Or was it minimum wage or it was uh, pandemic pay, something along those lines. They said, yeah, well, we're closing those stores because they work on such a thin margin. They are not making huge amounts of money. They got to do massive volume to make their money. So um, Impact on retailers is huge, both from shoplifting and from hundreds of stolen carts, which cost about 200 bucks each. I didn't realize they were that expensive, but it makes sense, depending on the model. Other costs to retailers include cleanup, damage, and lost revenue. Many customers feel uncomfortable visiting downtown, the west side, and Lacey uh, are also becoming more volatile because... People are homeless are realizing, well, we've got a hall pass here. Go wherever we want. Recently, I helped someone at the mitigation site downtown. He offered me stolen goods, power tools like new and phone chargers. I have all types. I've got your iPhone. I've got your Android, whatever you need. I can hook you up. I've got the best phone chargers ever. Can't you hear that? And that just sound standard. Candace said, my emotions cycled. Uh, yeah, I would be like, what? You, okay, you. Well, I'm helping you out and you're going to give me some stolen goods. Ooh, probably I'm going to pass on that. Yeah, I'm good on phone charges. I've, I've got plenty. I'm, I'm, we're good. During the storm this winter, my disabled neighbor was assaulted 100 feet from my house. He was jumped from behind by two men and suffered a broken rib, bruises, and lacerations. The assailants were scared off by another neighbor. A neighbor has chased men out of my yard several times. Due to theft, my shed is useless. The last lock was tampered with and could not be opened. I had to break into my own shed. So you either got to rip off the hinges or you got to cut the lock. I mean, what a drag. Candy, I imagine when you were doing that, you're like, this sucks. What? I shouldn't have to do this. I should be able to, you know, I'm doing the sawing motion for those of you who can't see, but however you get the lock off, it's like, oh my gosh, this is supposed to keep my shed safe. Now I can't even get into it because my lock is screwed up. In early June, we had our first fire in an unsanctioned camp on DeVoe Street, and there have been several more since, including one under the 4th Avenue Bridge and one adjacent to I-5. Someone was shot in the jungle, another person shot on the east side, there was a brawl downtown, and a man stabbed in Tumwater in one week. One week. So when people say, ah, just let them be, okay, you're not talking about just some tents quietly sitting there. There's other stuff going on because large portion of the homeless, let's be honest, either got mental issues or they got addiction issues. Take your pick. Neither one is good. Heritage Park has been closed to many activists due to the theft of the old brewery that released toxic chemicals into the water, um, costing millions of dollars in remediation. We have untreated human waste entering sensitive areas like Percival Creek and Puget Sound, both of which are also under threat due to the large amount of trash and needles being left by campers. Recently, the city of Tumwater picked up approximately 1,000 needles from land near Percival Creek. That's 
That's a lot. That is horrible. Thousand needles. Lack of respect. Next section. Hearts are closing because of what is perceived as either lack of respect or active disrespect towards those paying the bills and making the donations. People are livid when they see vandalism done to the porta potties under the Fourth Avenue Bridge, for which the city pays several hundred dollars a month. It is a middle finger to the taxpayers. It's meant to be. The lack of gratitude provokes. I see that too. It's like, hey, somebody's bringing you a porta potty. That's a gift. That's an olive branch saying, hey, we understand you don't have normal housing facilities like others do. We're bringing you a porta potty. And then they, the porta potties either get wrecked or, you know, just graffitied. Those are, that's private property that the city is renting to put on site, right? Nobody gets that. Nobody cares. Visible bike chop shops send a similar message. We can and we will steal from you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Another middle finger. Message sent and received. Yeah, this is going on. But no, people don't want to talk about it. They're just kind of like, ah, yeah, you got to let your fellow human being, if they're down on their luck, you got to let them do their thing. I don't think so. Porta potties, and this is, uh, I've got a picture here of a couple porta potties underneath the bridge we're talking about, and they are graffitied up. Porta potties at a cost of several hundred dollars a month were vandalized within days of being installed under the Fourth Avenue Bridge. Footings of the bridge have also been extensively spray painted in acts of defiance. Campers have broken many promises made to the city, including a ban on open fires. Down in Venice in California, one of the tents caught on fire that was out in front of a big building. That building burned down and that building has been demolished. There is now just a concrete slab where a two-story building used to be and it's like half a block from the beach. People say, ah, the homeless, they're just doing their own thing. Yeah, and when those tents catch on fire, we talked about nylon and flame, right? Doesn't work out well. Can catch a building on fire. It's not reasonable to demand or expect respect or or expect respect under these conditions. Recently, a representative of the mitigation site brought a long list of expensive demands for additional services to the Olympia City Council. Everything from free Wi-Fi to solar power for individual tents, to a dog run and pet food. There was no corresponding list of what the residents were willing to do in exchange for this aid. No concurrent sense of responsibility to the community from which they ask so much. No talk of contribution, financial or otherwise. Give us a bunch of stuff. Right? That's what they're saying. Hardworking people, especially those who struggle themselves, are understandably upset over this attitude of entitlement. Desire to help is trashed, the, na- the same as the porta potties. Yet we still have a moral obligation to care for people, even when they are disrespectful and especially when they are ill. Couldn't agree more. You, you st- they're still your fellow human being. We just got to figure out some better solutions so we don't get caught in kind of this crossfire. No wonder we have so much angst and anger, but to even be tactically okay with this bad behavior is akin to submitting to an abusive relationship. Yeah, that pretty well describes it. It's like, all right, we're just going to, because this is our deal and we don't really want to change it, we're just going to sit in this relationship even though it's crappy. It's our relationship. We're okay with it. And that's how I see City of Seattle and a lot of this stuff and obviously Olympia too, that people are like, ah, we know it's crappy, but it's our crappy. So we're okay with it. That makes it okay. That's how you justify 
the long-term abusive relationship, right? It's like, all right, I don't really want to make a change. And you just come up with justifications for, yeah, everything's okay. We're okay. We're not okay. Information is power. If you want to keep the Olympia we all so deeply love and the Lacey and the Tumwater, it's time to make your voice heard. Speak. We need you. We need you to. Downtown businesses have a voice. Homeless activists have a voice. But there is no organized voice from the perspective of ordinary people. That's kind of why I started covering a lot of these issues on this podcast, because there's no real voice from reasonable people. And by that, I mean, you can be a reasonable Democrat, you can be a reasonable Republican, you can be a reasonable libertarian, whatever it is. These are issues that, uh, you know, impact everybody across the board. And that's why I don't get into politics too much, even though you can't help but get into politics on a lot of these issues. And Candace, again, is doing something. She's running for city council. So if you want to make a change, get out there and vote or run for city council if you want to make some, you know, direct change. Um, so if you're, you're in Olympia, check out Candace Mercer as a candidate. It's easy to reach out to officials in all three cities who would be willing to meet with their constituents, particularly those council members who are up for re-election and their challengers. Uh, we also have to access county and state government, and we need to invite them into our conversation as well. Call them. Tell them your story. Demand action. Bring these issues to light. Don't let them sit and fester further where they are, because that's how we got here. Not really addressing things. Everything's okay. What do you mean? It's it's all right. We're, we're okay with this. I don't know. It's a really tough problem. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that just feels like what we're doing, right? We need input from former addicts, law enforcement, prosecutors, and the medical profession so we can decide the most effective pressure to apply. No one is going to gather all this information for us. We have no meaningful local press, yet we are staying informed about events through the work of citizen journalists who share what they document. That's kind of the only way we're getting a lot of this information. We have seen more and more. This was written in 2019. I think in 2020, a lot of this stuff started coming to light. And I think a lot more people are putting the magnifying glass on it. Conversations are being had, but they're difficult conversations because the, I mean, the ways you're going to go about fixing a lot of this stuff, there's going to be no real popular answer because it's going to be some tough love and uh, some hard choices tough stuff. Citizens who do not consider themselves journalists are also doing valuable ad hoc reporting. That's kind of what I do here. Ad hoc. Just, all right, well, nobody else talking about this. This does impact real estate. It does. And um, as a result, that's what we're talking about. Summarizing city council meetings, event report backs, sharing experiences of harm and success, photographs and videos, all of these spread information and should be encouraged. Facebook, Nextdoor, YouTube, and Reddit are all powerful and remarkably easy to use tools for both reporting and organizing. It's inspiring to see talented people who have never cared about politics stepping up and showing civic leadership. I'm, I'm kind of thrown in that boat as well. I'm a real estate guy. What are you doing? and talking about homelessness, Sean. Well, it, it 
it impacts the communities, right? And that's where real estate is. That's what we're talking about. Moral calculus. It's our next section here. What exactly do we want? What are we willing to fight for? An Olympia we are proud to show off? Question mark. An Olympia we are we uh, where we feel safe in person and property? Question mark. An Olympia where you can be as weird as you want to be as long as you do no harm? Question mark. Those are all questions. Good questions. What are the most compassionate? And I'm okay with weird as long as it doesn't impact people. As long as you don't don't do something breaking the law. Weird. All right. Everybody's version of weird is somewhat different, right? Some people have a real, oh, that's that that's weird. That's, you know, people don't do that. Well, actually they do. They're just smaller segment of the population. If that's what they're doing, okay. I'm okay with that. And that's where I probably fall more into the libertarian type um, spectrum than hardcore Republican. Most real estate guys, hardcore Republicans, just because that's the most self-serving position, right? And and it's kind of how we've been taught too. Real estate guys, you you value those you, you know those those values. You're basically brought up in real estate, housing, business, all that stuff. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. What are the most compassionate and effective actions to take? How do we want policy and policing policing to change? Where do we stand on hard drug use, especially in public? Good questions. Yeah, I'm not okay with hard drugs in public. I'm, I'm not okay with I'm not okay with weed in public. I think you do that at home. Keep that at home. Don't do that in front of kids. If that's your thing, by all means, if it's legal in your state, okay. So is booze, you know. But hard drugs, anything other than weed, I'm kind of like, ah. I mean, we don't even allow smoking in most areas, right? It's a drug, nicotine. In which direction does our moral compass point? Right now, I feel like it's pointing towards, hey, anything goes. Do whatever you want. Just, you know, maybe don't kill somebody. And I'm kind of jokingly saying that, but that's about what it takes to get any kind of, you know, prison term here in the state of Washington. That's what it feels like anyway. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of which are being diverted from homeless and low-income populations who need minimal help to get or stay housed, is being used for temporary solutions. That's what we see on a continual basis, right? Millions of dollars on temporary solutions. We're not solving the end problem, but we don't have the bandwidth to come up with long-term solutions, Johnny on the spot. So we keep doing these temporary solutions in the hopes that it gets better. I, I don't know. The subculture of the unwilling is crowding out the needs of the unable in a competition for scarce resources. There's such a demand for these resources. That's what we're doing temporary, not long-term because there's so many people that need the temporary. How do we preference who to help? What happens to people who cannot help, whether for lack of funding, legal constraints, or because they are not willing to work with the system? What do we do with them? What happens to them? We can't be blind to the overwhelming cost per, per person of detox, inpatient, and outpatient substance abuse treatment. That stuff is expensive. If you've got good insurance, oh, hey, they will sign you up. If you don't, if you're on state insurance or whatever, mm, it's going to be tough to get into that detox. Are you really ready to go this time? Because it looks like you bailed out a couple of other times. What happened there? Never mind. I know. You just didn't want to go. You thought it was a good idea. But you know that whole thing of detox is brutal. Taking the human body off of opioids, mm, difficult, very difficult. I mean, just 
horrible. And that due to the chronic nature of addiction, people can cycle through multiple times. A lot of people do. Takes some people multiple, multiple attempts to get clean, right? Prioritizing the addicted population means far less help for single parents, seniors, and the otherwise disabled. Because you get you got finite resources. They're all going to this section of people. These people over here who still need help too, hosed. And I think that's what people are are getting kind of worked up about. Now I'm looking at photos of homeless encampments that look like the dump in the woods. That's the only way I can describe it. Oh, no, nope, never mind. We got one tent up and it's right by a creek, a really nice creek. That's horrible. You know, in, in outdoor wilderness stuff, you've got the whole mantra of leave no trace. This pretty much 1000% uh, violates the leave no trace because they have left a lot of traces of a community. They've left all of their traces because it doesn't look like they've taken any of their garbage to the dump. They are living in the dump. Four different unsanctioned camping sites in environmentally sensitive areas, including Percival Creek. Oh, that's Percival Creek. What a nice little creek. What a bunch of crap next to the nice little creek. That's not cool. Ugh. We have dozens of unsanctioned camps spreading from the downtown core into suburban and increasingly rural areas. That's, I I see that all the time. It's like, what? That never used to be there. The spread, the creep is real. We are seeing environmental impact. How will this land be remediated? Just watching, who pays for the cleanup? Another great question. Just watching the Echo Park cleanup in LA, just outside of uh, downtown, just to the north of, uh, uh, Skid Row, just to the west of Dodger Stadium, if that means anything to you. City of, um, and I watched that on uh, German and Venice. Takes me a while for my hard drive to grab, grab these thoughts, right? Uh, German and Venice on YouTube, and they're going to spend half a million dollars on cleaning up that park. $500,000. Who pays for the cleanup? city, right? You and I, we pay for it. Is it fair to put this burden on private property owners? It's not fair for taxpayers to cover it either, but someone has to. It's also not fair that the money that could be put towards shelter and treatment is being diverted to massive cleanups. That's I talk about that pretty often. How many people could we house if we weren't cleaning up this stuff? Some more, some more people's lives could be positively impacted if we went down that road. But Currently, that's not the road we're going down. Some municipally owned sites are not being cleaned up at all, especially land owned by the Washington State Department of Transportation because they can't get to it. It's not a priority and lack of funding. And this was before the pandemic and, you know, funding moving forward. Ooh, after the pandemic, unless we get some of that Fed money, uh, yeah, budget budgets are going to be tight. The, that's what happens when you shut down the economy. Right? I mean, it, you, you don't have that revenue. You don't have that tax revenue. The total cost of homelessness to the community and direct and indirect costs cannot be underestimated. Lacey police report 200 calls related to homelessness in a 30-day period, approximately seven per day with an average time of 27 minutes per response. Uh, lot, which is the, which is their water treatment utility is spending an additional $280,000 a year on security. Businesses pay to clean and repair damage. Citizens pay for broken car windows, stolen packages, siphoned gas and security systems. The list is endless. 
There's also opportunity costs. City employees complain the issue is diverting time from other necessary work. So while city employees are working on this stuff, cleanup, all that stuff, they can't be working on the good projects over here. Like Parks and Rec. What if there was a Parks and Rec show where that was real and they really showed what was going on? Would people watch that? I think so. But a lot of people are like, oh, that's not fair. You're not showing it in the right light. How do you want to show the homeless encampment in the woods next to Percival Creek? How do you want to make that better? It's not a good look, right? Emergency rooms filled with drug seekers and assaults on medical personnel are becoming more frequent. Yep. Legitimate pain patients are being denied access to medication due to fear of abuse. Yeah. Uh, there's a lockdown on all kinds of the narcotics, right? That you should be able to get when you go to the hospital, get a prescription refilled. But there's such abuse out there that everybody's like, I don't know if you really need this. I know you just had your leg amputated, but you're just going to need to take the pain because we think you might be an addict. And I'm totally joking. And I'm not trying to make fun of anybody who's lost their leg. But that's kind of what it feels like, right? And that's what I usually do is go with a massive over exaggeration, and then explain, hey, that's not what I really think, but that's how it kind of feels. That's how it come, kind of comes comes across, right? Downtown is not attractive for business or pleasure. People are losing the psychic freedom of feeling safe, something you cannot put a price on. The waste of human potential also cannot be quantified because we're letting our fellow human being just do their own thing, you know, on the sidewalk in their tent until they no longer can do their own thing. Why isn't the state and federal government helping? Should the entire region be declared a disaster zone? A humanitarian and public health crisis? Should FEMA be involved? That's a good question. City, uh, the Center for Disease Control, CDC? The EPA, by allowing the crisis to evolve, we have risked federal involvement and media attention that may not be welcome. What do you got going on in your hometown? You know, we got FEMA, we got the EPA, we got the CDC, because we got to get our shit cleaned up. Ugh, this isn't good. <laughs> um, scenes from downtown Olympia during the winter of 2018-2019, including the remnants of an RV fire on B Street. Power cords in the previous images led to this elaborate makeshift dwelling on Jefferson Street Center. Just get these homeless encampments, they just take all kinds of stuff and they start creating their own housing. And it is not to code, folks. Within ourselves, how do we reconcile conflicting moral demands? What are our boundaries? So many of us are suffering compassion fatigue. How do we address our personal mental health and limited emotional bandwidth? It can be traumatizing to witness to witness suffering at this level, especially for kids. How do we avoid pathological altruism and be effective with our donations? Good intentions do not always equal good outcomes. Yeah, you, you want to donate and you want to be involved, but then you're kind of like, ah, is, is this the right thing? I don't really know what the right thing is. Kind of need to be told, hey, how are we going to fix this? I'll donate to that. These are enormously difficult questions involving intense moral calculus, but we can't, uh, we cannot let our fear of math keep us from being clear eyed about how we spend the money we do have. We are in crisis mode. We have to stabilize the situation. How can we balance the short term emergency with long term planning that actually gets more housing built? Going from reimagining rethinking to doing it. That's 
the transition, right? Permanent house supporting housing is the ideal, but it's the most expensive option. People need help today, not years from now. A tiered system seems to make sense, but it's complicated with many moving parts and lacks adequate infrastructure. Providing immediate overnight shelter is the most cost-effective option, but many will not participate for a variety of reasons, even if the shelter is low barrier. Lots of reasons why people don't want to go into shelters. This is not compassion. Olympia is not the walking dead. People should not be downtown with visible knives, machetes, katana swords, or studded leather-wrapped baseball bats and lawless shows of force. More people are carrying guns, an escalating arms race, which will only make situations more volatile. Agreed. Shouldn't have to run around in your hometown with a gun. Shouldn't have to be armed. We don't want this. We don't want pop-up brothels and drug retailers. We don't want our kids to be able to cop a bag next to the transit center. We don't want seniors afraid to go to the Thurston County Food Bank. We don't want our dogs stepping on needles while on a walk in the woods. We don't want nudity or public masturbation, two separate reports in one week. We don't want to spend the psychic energy that is the price of hypervigilance, always on guard for something, right? The best metaphor to describe our situation is an unpleasant medical intervention. As a professional, a tourniquet is not something you want to do. It is messy and hard. That's the tough love, right? It's like, oh, getting in there and we're actually doing something. Ooh, this isn't fun. And the person getting the tourniquet is not very happy either and often fights the intervention. However, none of this matters. You do what you have to do to save a life. And I talk about that a lot here on the podcast is that, all right, we're just letting these people do their own thing until they literally kill themselves on the sidewalk in their tent. That's going on on the daily. And what are we doing? Oh, we're reimagining and we're rethinking. Crazy. All right, we've got a bunch of photos of needles here. Um, yeah, just, wow, over a thousand needles from the area surrounding the creek, Percival Creek. That's horrible. Supporting addiction is not compassion. Supporting addiction is supporting death. I agree with that. Due to the damage addiction causes to the individual, their loved ones in the community, supporting addiction is not a morally defensible position. Under the doctrine of altruism and tolerance, we are being asked to support behavior detrimental to our community. This is selfishness of addiction in action. There needs to be balance. The needs of all Olympia should not be forsaken to the pathology of a few. We need leadership to say enough. Agreed. And work to restore Olympia to a safe and happy place while also attending to the needs of the substance abusers. There has to be some level of personal responsibility in the part of the substance abusers. Getting out of addiction is hard work, but there is no choice. Recovery cannot be forced. If we're to view addiction as a chronic illness, patients should be making their best effort to follow a treatment plan. And that's one of the reasons people don't want to go into the shelters because they can't do their normal lifestyle. And their normal lifestyle isn't on the rules list when you go into the shelter. Oh, that number one right there. I do that a lot. Oh, I'm a no-go. I'm going to go back to the camp. Survival is not a crime, but theft is. According to the Office of National Drug uh, Control Policy, the average substance abuser spends $1,834 on drugs per month, which is more than enough to pay rent in Olympia. Addiction leads to morally compromising and dangerous situations, including sex work. One reason the Artisan Commons Park was closed at night was due to men preying on homeless women. That is 
horrible. The homeless are also victims of assault and property crime. Vigilant justice, vigilante justice is percolating as the situation grows more volatile. Camps rely on self-governance and are unable to be monitored by law enforcement. Because camps are often hidden by design in inaccessible locations, it's also difficult for emergency responders to provide services, particularly at night. Here's a note left on a piece of cardboard, it looks like. Uh, and the note reads, borrowing without asking is stealing, not returning is stealing. The golden rule says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. If I find out who you are, I'm taking everything you have, bet on it. And then a hole at the end. Somebody's pissed off because they lost all their stuff. It got taken from them, right? There should be no argument for regarding safety for person, property, or environment. There should be no pro-harm, pro-theft rhetoric, but remarkably, there is. I know. It, it's crazy. I, what world is this? Ah, it's okay. The guy's on drugs. It's okay. He stole your stuff. Violence is defended as a reasonable response if it originates with the oppressed. You hit somebody else, you assaulted somebody else, but you're homeless. Mm, yeah. Hall pass. That's what we're doing. And Olympia, and, and so the, the victim, the victim has no recourse. They are just permanently the victim. In Olympia, rent is positioned as theft and protested. Actual theft is called a regressive tax and accepted as the result of numerous isms rather than the choice of one person to harm another, which is what it is. You don't need to F people over to survive. It's that simple. This has to stop. Candace Mercer, I think that's a great post. I agree with everything you said 100%. This is kind of what I think as well. I think there's a lot of other really reasonable people out there who are also looking around. But you know what? It's like like you said in this post, um, everybody's afraid to say anything because a lot of these opinions are not the narrative that folks one major media wants to see right now. So if you come out and start talking about this stuff, you might have a little bit of brushback. You might have a little bit of kickback. Yeah, these are issues that are going down on the daily, right? You can't avoid them. And I think major media is starting to pick up on some of this stuff. Like, wait a minute, what is going on? But most people, they don't really want to read the crime section because you know why? It kind of shows, it's like dirty laundry. It's there, we all have it, we all know about it. But you don't want to look at other people's stuff, right? But that's what's going on. This is our city's dirty laundry. We're trying to sleep, sweep under the, under the bridge with all the needles, right? And all the other crap that gets left behind because uh, just gets left behind. So if you're in the Olympia area, check out Candace Mercer, CandaceMercer.com, uh, CandaceMercer.medium.com. She's got a bunch of good blog posts on there. Check it out. Candace, thanks so much for sending. Appreciate you letting me read this post. I hope your campaign for Olympia City Council goes well. And um, yeah, that's it. Thanks again, Candy. Thanks again, everybody, for watching the podcast, being a part. I'm on to the next one. We'll see you guys there. Talk soon. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.